0: Man, oh man, it's a good day, you guys. Big Sexy is back in the Boom Boom Room with me, and today we are sharing what we've learned about trauma from our dog, Phoenix.
1: Now, this might sound weird, but you gotta trust us on this as we go down this journey because it will translate to people. So, let's get started.
0: Hey, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Eva Miller. As a domestic violence survivor turned life and wellness coach, I'm here to help you fully know your value, reclaim your power, and boldly create the life you love, instead of living from someone else's script. So if you're feeling stuck and looking for help, or you just want to be reminded that it's okay to be your unique self in a conforming world, you're in the right place. Don't water down your wild. Step out of the race you never wanted to be in and forge your own path. Let's go. All right. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to episode 35. So learning is everywhere around you. You just have to look for it. And in our case, we've had to look no further than our living room. Several years ago, our dog Zoe had to be put down and we were going to wait a while before we got another dog. But I was a, well, basically a complete and total mess, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. You were pretty uh, pretty distraught.
0: I was. And so I went on to petfinder.com and I found a dog I was interested in. And her story is that Sherry, the woman who volunteered at the dog shelter, used to drive by a yard every week when she was on her way to her mom's house. And she always noticed some dogs chained up in a yard without any food or shelter. And one day she noticed the mailbox was overflowing at that house and she stopped to ask the neighbors about the animals. And she was told that the people had moved and left them all there. So they were all sent to a shelter. And Phoenix was extremely malnourished and pregnant when the cops came to pick the animals up. And she went into labor and none of her puppies made it. Phoenix was heartworm positive and she was at the shelter for like eight or nine months. And nobody ever really seriously inquired about her. And they just assumed it was because she was heartworm positive. But they had started her on the monthly medication um, instead of opting for the harsher treatment. so we decided we were going to go meet her. And so we went one day when I got out of class.
1: Yeah, it was a Saturday. Mm -hmm. We had a Saturday class and we went. And... As we got into the lobby and were meeting the volunteer workers there, one of the guys had gone into the back to get Phoenix. And I had noticed in the room right next to us, they had a bunch of monitors, you know, for surveillance of the facility and things like that. And I watched him go into to the room and open the kennel door and out walks Phoenix. And I could tell as soon as I saw her, it's like, oh, you that's know. our dog. You knew. She, she's going home with us. You knew. And that's the kind of response I would have expected from you. But. <laughs>
0: I was trying to be objective and not be too let my emotions run me. But yeah,
1: she was our pup. She was. As she came into the room, keep in mind, she's been with these volunteer workers for eight months. They're the first people that have really been nice to her. She saw us from across the room when she walked in, and she totally ignored the people that she had been around and walked straight over to us. And she got between us and turned around. And sat down on your foot. Yep. And when I leaned my hand down to pet her, she put her head in my hand and then leaned up against my leg. Mm-hmm. It's and like, exhaled. And exhaled, just a huge, almost a relief. <sighs> There's my people.
0: Because sometimes that's how you that's how you feel when you find your people. You mm-hmm. just, Sometimes you just know, mm-hmm. like, this is my safe place. This is where
1: I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I actually had a list of dog names. This is how dorky I am. I had a list of dog names saved in a file on my phone. <laughs> long before we ever thought of Phoenix Mm -hmm. when we still had Zoe. But I had chosen the name Phoenix for her before we ever went to meet her because I wanted to call her that because of the mythical bird that rises from the ashes and starts a new life. I thought that'd be a great reminder for her.
1: We've had lots of dogs in the past, and most by and far Mm -hmm. were rescues Mm -hmm. of one kind or another. We even had one that was um the people that rescued her suspected she was a victim of satanic ritual abuse she was all cut up and bloody and you know and there were there were some things there were some things there was
0: a group here who had mm-hmm. been doing some sacrifices and stuff in the area and Yeah. So, but but despite all that
1: yeah we didn't know what it really meant to rescue a dog that the, had been neglected and abused in the way that phoenix had yeah
0: she was she's definitely been different
1: yeah And we weren't sure exactly how she was treated before, but we could make some guesses based off of some of the responses she had to certain stimulus in the environment. Mm
0: -hmm. Trauma imprints a code on your body. It's triggered by things like smells and sounds and tones of voice, motions, visual stimulus and stuff like that. I'm going to paraphrase this, but there was a study. I might have a couple of these details wrong, but the gist of it, you're going to get... There was an experiment that was conducted on mice, and in this experiment, the researchers would pipe the smell of cherry blossoms into the cages of mice while the mice were tied up and simultaneously zapped the mice's feet with mild electric shocks, and it conditioned the mice to have a response, a stress response to the smell of the cherry blossoms. They bred those mice, and those offspring were raised without being exposed to the smell of cherry blossoms when they were little. But apparently, I guess they, I don't know if it was after they were dead or later on when they were much older, but they checked their brains and they noticed those mice had a sensitivity, like special certain brain activity around the smell of cherry blossoms. And those mice were then bred and the grandbaby mice were also not raised with the shocks or anything like that. But when they were exposed to the scent of cherry blossoms, they had a heightened sensitivity to it. So basically, the things that happen to us, they do leave a mark on the inside. And so... We actually didn't have any problems with Phoenix at first. Right. Yeah, I mean, she, we knew going in what the situation was, but we uh-huh. didn't have any problems at first.
1: Right. And then we had her about a week and then our, our son and his family came over mm-hmm. and she immediately liked our daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. Still does to this day. She's, I think, her favorite mm-hmm. of you know their family when she comes over. But she was very uncomfortable around mm-hmm. our son because he's, he's tall like me at the time his he's got dark hair, but at mm-hmm. the time his
0: hair was long
1: mm-hmm. and
0: he kept it down, and he's got a big bushy beard mm-hmm. and mustache, and his eyes are dark and they're kind of deep set and we suspect he must have reminded her of someone who of someone who mistreated mm-hmm.
1: her because mm-hmm. he kind of growled or she he kind of growled <laughs> he growls all the time, but she was very uncomfortable around him and kind of growled when he first came in because she was very like you said probably reminded her of somebody Mm -hmm. that had mistreated her
0: but it wasn't long after
1: that that they came over again Mm -hmm.
0: we were in the kitchen phoenix we had a really large kitchen at that house and phoenix and i were on one end and drew was on the other end at the counter i think he was making something like a peanut butter sandwich or Mm -hmm. something and he was at the counter with his back to us and then he turned around to ask me a question and I, i Seems like he had, it's been a while, but it seems like he had the butter knife in one hand, and a piece of bread in the other. And he was asking me where something was or Mm -hmm. if we had something. But there was something about the way he turned that kind of set her off. Yeah. And, okay, so I want to use the word charge. She charged after him, but she wasn't like running full speed. I'm not trying to. You know, make it sound super dramatic, but she was going after him. She had growled, she'd let out a bark, and she was headed his way. And But halfway across the room, she, I, I guess, she didn't realize he was a th- She realized he wasn't a threat right. is what I'm trying to say. And she sort of did that Freddie Flintstone thing. We had that cheapo vinyl flooring or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Her little was, feet went everywhere and slid yeah, while yeah, she was she trying was to stop.
1: Stopping her forward momentum by trying to, you know, backpedal, and her feet was just sliding. So Yeah. And, uh... We also discovered she had some food aggression issues with dogs and other, you know, and people. Mm-hmm. And,
0: uh, we never did know what really set her off with mm-mm. Drew, but it was right after that we decided, like, sending her back to the shelter wasn't wasn't going to be what she needed. Right. She was a great dog, but she clearly had some trauma, yeah. nervous system stuff going on. And so...
1: She just needed a professional to kind of help her through that. Yeah. So... We sent her to a professional dog trainer that specialized in a lot of the the issues that mm-hmm. Phoenix appeared to have mm-hmm. because it was it was outside of our scope of experience for sure. Um, so we wanted to make sure that she got the best help that she could. This trainer does you know different programs, and after she evaluated Phoenix, she decided that the month long boarding train where Phoenix would stay with her in her environment. For a month and not have, you know, really any contact with us or anybody else was going to be the best course of treatment Mm -hmm, to retrain her brain and exposing her in controlled environments to other dogs, cats, chickens, a rooster, kids, uh, kids. And we think there was a goat there, too, but we can't remember exactly. But so she had all of this different kind of exposures in controlled environments to help her get over some of her issues. And she was also taught how to socialize properly in different settings. You know, Mm -hmm. they would go on pack walks where all the dogs would be together. And one person would be holding a multitude of leashes with other dogs and they're all walking together. She would be taken into public places like, you know, downtown or at a park or at a store and made to, you know, sit and wait at the end of an aisle while the trainer was at the other end of the aisle and just wait there patiently disregarding everything going on around her,
0: including like, she took I know one of the mm -hmm. places that she took her was like to a um, dog pet supply store Mm -hmm. and she had to just sit there and learn to ignore the other dogs in the Mm -hmm. area. And so, you know, Phoenix can't talk, but she definitely communicates and asks for what she wants and people do the same thing. You know, they don't, they may not even be aware of what is really under the surface or maybe they can't say it or they don't want to say it. But they still communicate. And so one of the things that we learned, uh, Drew and his family used to, they would come over and sometimes when they do, they wrestle. They wrestle a little less now, but Mm -hmm. they used to wrestle a lot. And that chaos, that noise, Mm -hmm. the jumping and the bumping and the pounding and the squealing and the Mm -hmm. yelling and all of that, that would make her really nervous. Right. And you discovered she would always come run over to one of us and Mm -hmm. you just, you would You would just instinctively reach down and rub her chest. And you realized that actually calms and comforts her. Yeah. And now we've noticed like they come over now and they wrestle, but she participates and plays at least for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then if she feels like it's too much, we've noticed that she just kind of backs off. But she's she's learned a couple things. One, sometimes she walks over to you and you rub her chest, and it's not a, hey, I'm really scared. Mm -hmm. It's more of a, we're still all good, right? Everything's okay. I don't have
1: to be on alert or anything like that. Everything's in control.
0: Yep. She's just looking for a little reassurance. And the other thing that we've realized that she's learned is that one time, I guess she was just sick of their noisy crap and she just left the room. Remember the first time (laughs) she she went to our bedroom and just got on the bed and took a nap. She was like, I'm out y'all, I'm out. And so um, I I think there's something in there to Mm -hmm. learn that's good for us to be aware of our triggers and what we can do for us. And sometimes it is leave, but sometimes it is like small exposures of, all right, mm-hmm. this is this is a little bit of chaos at high volume mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'm going to leave. But you know, we've also learned to read her body language and notice some of her other triggers too.
1: Yeah, storms, she gets real nervous mm-hmm. when there's thunder and lightning, loud noises, fireworks especially seem to really Make her the most nervous, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, sudden big gestures when people are talking, uh, basically our Italian friends. Well, and you, because you know you talk with your hands.
0: I, I do scare her sometimes. I'm in the kitchen and I'll wave my hand around like, "Where's the colander?" and she'll like startle, yeah. you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um,
1: Chaotic events, you know, because you used to host a bunko group at our house. Mm-hmm. That's a bunch of women getting together. And-,
0: and, and she was always happy to see them when they came yeah. in. She loved it because they would all love on her. But, you know, you get 12 women drinking a little wine and rolling some dice and, you know, it gets a little loud. loud. And... You know, you're running for cover. Oh yeah,
1: I'm I'm hiding in the back of the house. <laughs>
0: and she would be like, "Okay, I'm out." And then she, she would
1: come and check on me to make sure I'm okay. So she would come back there to hide with me for a little while, yep. and then she would want to go back out to socialize a little bit more, and then come back to calm down mm-hmm. again.
0: Yep. And she likes to go to Lowe's and she likes to go to pet supply mm-hmm. stores, but we don't take her on Saturdays. Right. It, it's crowded and chaotic, and there are it's it's a little more stimulus.
1: But we don't even like the chaos. Right. So we don't put her in the environment that we don't enjoy because it is chaotic with people running around and, you know, they're focused on something and they're not paying attention and they almost run over you. So we yeah. don't want her in that.
0: We know. try not to go to Lowe's on Saturday.
1: Mm-mm. I
0: mean, We were in there last, was it last Saturday?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: When yeah. we had the whole thing with the machines, golly, that place was crowded. And I looked at you at one point, I remember saying, now I remember why we, we don't come to Lowe's on Saturdays. Mm. But we go on the slower, quieter days, and she likes it, and it works for us too. So we've definitely learned she thrives in a calmer, slower environment mm-hmm. And some people like a fast pace, louder th- thing, places, mm-hmm. environments, all of that faster work p- work pace or p- faster pace at work is what I'm trying to say, And some people don't. It's not for the best that's not best for them. so We control some of those interactions that we think might be a lot for her.
1: Not Mm -hmm.
0: only things that are that would be like negative that would make her feel too nervous, but even the good, exciting things for her. Yes.
1: Yeah. Because she loves to go for rides and she loves to go for a walk and she loves it when people come to visit. So when we're taking her for a ride or or out for a walk, we make her sit and, you know, remain calm. Mm -hmm. Then we can walk out the door. Then we invite her. But before we let her jump up into the car, she has to be in a calm state.
0: Yep. Because even
1: though she's excited in a good way, it still elevates the mood. Yeah. And, you know, so we just try to keep her as evenly, mm-hmm. heel, you know, on an even keel as, as we can.
0: Yep. And it's funny because she growled at so many guests when we first got her. Yeah. Because she didn't trust people. But now when people come over, she's just sure they're there to be her new best friend. Mm-hmm. But even that... Even though she's gone the opposite, it is still an elevated place of excitement for her. Right,
1: I know you've said it before. People sometimes tend to go from one extreme to the other. They're either, you know, like in this case with her, she's, she was very nervous and cautious around people. And then she moved into so excited that people are coming over to visit her. Yeah, now it's that, like that she's, she's barely contained by her own skin. Saying, yeah. You know, she's got that happy butt wiggle going on to where her butt almost hits her head. She's wagging it so yeah so much.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit of wild abandonment going and on. So she, but
1: one extreme to the other and she doesn't have that healthy middle ground.
0: Well, and being a good dog owner. We're trying to make our guests comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody comes over who maybe is afraid of dogs or is afraid of large dogs, a a dog that weighs 50 pounds running at you, even if they're happy to see you, they could take out a knee if they hit you just right. Mm -hmm. And so in an effort to not let her overwhelm guests with her excitement, we always, you know, we do some things like. Don't let her stand at the door to knock them down when they mm-hmm. come in. We don't let her jump. We, you know, make her move to the side and we ask, you know, if she's really excited, we'll tell our guest, just come in and ignore her for a minute while we make her calm down. And then we let her say hello. Mm-hmm. And and that that works pretty well
1: right, for us. Right. And one of the things that I've realized, too, over, over the years is that sometimes it doesn't matter how far or how long it's been since you've gone through a traumatic experience. There are certain events that Triggers. can trigger those thoughts, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, a song or a smell that's in the air or you drive by a place yeah. that, you know, makes those memories come flooding back. And they're, it's almost like they're fresh again in your head. Yeah. And when these things happen, a lot of people, dogs, people, whatever, they're going to react in a visual way.
0: Some people do. Phoenix does. Yeah. The nervousness
1: sure. shows up. You know, you you get real, um, uneasy, mm-hmm. nervous, whatever. But there are some people like me who tend to hold everything in. I get quiet, the shame and the guilt of things that happened to me years ago, just come flooding back and they're of I, I withdraw a little mm-hmm. bit and I'm processing it internally. And you could be talking to somebody and all of a sudden, you know, say you're at the store and a song comes on and it throws them back to that time. And you don't even notice they're, response or reaction to that song and they just get quiet. And then you may say something, Oh, this song is so great. You remember this? This was such an odd. And it was probably the wrong thing to say to that person, but you didn't know it because they're not showing any. They're
0: over there. They're over there having all their big feelings on the inside and Mm -hmm. you don't even realize it. And it may not be a thing for you. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're maybe unaware of them and unaware of how it affects them. Mm -hmm. And so Yeah, it's interesting how we all do that. Whereas, you know, something just like she can't tell us what's going on. Some humans aren't aware and some of them don't know how to speak it. And when it's visible, sometimes it can allow you to help. And when you're the person who's having the response, I mean, you know, you don't have to bear your soul, but maybe you can say something like, oh, you know what? I just remembered something. I've got to go. Like, that's technically true. You just remembered something. Maybe the part you're leaving off is. It's got me feeling a certain kind of way and I want to work through this. Or if it's somebody that you're safe with when something happens, you know, you can say, I've got something going on right now and maybe they can help. Maybe they can't. But we've we've also realized you've keyed into this. The whole thing about their energy, you pick up on that. Yes. And sometimes we pick up on the energy and. We catch the energy. We feed off of it. We, Mm -hmm. you know,
1: I've heard it referred to before. It's like you just jumped right in the deep end with them.
0: Yes. Instead of them catching our calm, we caught their anxiety, their Mm -hmm. fear, their whatever. And it's sometimes aggression. Yeah, it's the same way with people. Mm -hmm. Like we do the same thing there because energy. You can't see it. You may not always know what it's called, but you can recognize it, even if you're unaware that that's what it is. And so. You know, I would say we've also learned to respond instead of react.
1: Yes, we have. And it's also the difference is worth noting because when you react, you're usually reacting on an emotional level. Mm -hmm. But when you respond, the responses tend to be more based on reasoning. Yes. Instead of stemming from emotion, you can process things a lot clearer at that point.
0: Yes. And, And the way that relates to humans actually is something that I've gone through. Not, not all that long ago. For a long time, I was part of a group, uh, that met regularly. And at some point after a while, I realized I was really not enjoying myself when I was with that group. And at first, it, some things had happened externally, and I thought that was the thing that I was responding to. And I didn't go for a while, but some circumstances changed. I had gained some perspective, and I thought because those things had occurred that i decided maybe i could go back because i kind of felt like you know maybe it'll be more like i want it to be now that some things have changed but Mm -hmm. i went back once with that group and i i saw immediately like you know what no this is just not a good environment for me anymore it was at one time but now i've changed It's changed, the situation's changed, maybe all of it, whatever, pick one, pick a couple. But I realized I wasn't my strongest or my best self there. And when I realized that, it was like, oh, so I can just stop trying to force this Mm -hmm. into working or happening or being something, right? It doesn't have to mean anything other than this is just not what's best for me. Mm -hmm. And so being aware and, and taking action are the keys to creating the kind of life we want like people always said oh batman and robin they were the dynamic duo but i'm just here to tell you right now that that's wrong because the real dynamic duo <laughs> is awareness and action and i what? say that what
1: why? Were you say? why why do you say that
0: because if you're aware but you don't do anything about it it's your awareness is null and void it has no point point. Mm. and if you're unaware but you're taking action and you're taking the wrong action that's also ineffective. Mm. So when you are aware and you take the right action and you put those together, that makes you unstoppable. You know, and, and it and I'm just gonna tell you, if you are ready to be more confident and you want to feel secure in your own sense of self and free yourself from emotional triggers, let's have a talk and see how I can help. So yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's I think that's that's about all we got for you today.
0: Thanks for being here, Big Sexy.
1: Thank you for having me. I always enjoy these times.
0: Do you really? Yes,
1: I do. I like being in the boom-boom room with you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll be back next week with more. You guys have a good one. Talk soon. Okay, that's all I've got for you this time. If you want to see if my coaching program can help you, you can set up a Blue Skies call with me to learn more. It's free. I am not high pressure. I'm not going to badger you. We just have a conversation you tell me the things you need, what you're looking for. And I tell you what I do to help people and how my program might work with you. If they match up, great. If they don't, all you've lost is an hour of your time. Link is in the show notes. Talk to you next week.